The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasu, your host. And today I have Tiama Hansen-Drury, who is the Chief Product Officer of Mina Technologies. Welcome, Tiama. Hey, Seema. It's so nice to be here with you. I feel Thank like you. Uh, our careers have intermixed, but we've never been able to come together. So I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, same. And like even with Wire Exec and, you know, that Slack, like I feel like I know you, but it's nice to finally actually have a conversation with you one-on-one. Agreed. Thanks for having me join you. Of course. Thank you. So let's just talk a little bit about, you know, a little bit about your journey and how you got to this point. And I have a list of other topics I want to get to as well, but let's start there in terms of your journey up to this point. Awesome. Yeah. Happy to. So I guess when my journey started, I graduated out of college and I was one of those people that I think in college, I was super concerned with where I was going to go and where I was going to be. And I'm a type A person. So for yes. any of you out there listening, you probably understand this. I'm one of those weirdos that actually did have quite a bit of a plan. I think yes. that's very unusual, but you know, mine was, okay, what do I want to do? That's going to add the most value. I thought I was going to become an executive coach and work with CEOs because my parents are both psychologists. I love business and have always been involved in business. And I thought, wow, that'd be a cool way to marry those two right. things. So I had a plan that I would graduate from college. I would spend two years at a small business, two years at a medium business and two years at a large business. And then I'd go back and I'd get my PhD and I would be able to consult with CEOs of any stripe. And I thought, well, why not pick those businesses based on things that I'm interested in? Right. Okay. So I started with wine, um, <laughs> love wine. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a uncle who is a, owns a winery in Napa. Like I'm all things wine. I live in Europe now. I'm all well, the UK, sadly, no longer Europe, but I love to drink wine. So I thought that was great. I spent two years in that doing, I don't know, being a Jane of all trades, sales, marketing, everything. And then I moved on to my next one. And the next thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to do something in tech and I knew that I loved research because one research, you know, psychology is a lot about what drives human behavior. So right. I find that interesting growing up in a impromptu psychology class, a, AKA my family. Um, but also <laughs> I knew that in undergrad, I'd done a bunch of research, qualitative, but research nonetheless. And so I started to look into opportunities. I found this at the time, fast growing, had all the right hallmarks of like a good tech company, you know entrepreneur of the year for the CEO, really good health growth uh, metrics, et cetera, called Global Market Insight or GMI for the oldies out there who know that. <laughs> <laughs> that company now is part of Cantar Profiles mm -hmm. by Caroline Frankham, even though it was supposed to be my medium-sized business right. that was more tech. But what I found is that I kept raising my hand and asking for promotion opportunities and showing why I thought I was deserving of them. And I kept getting them. That's um, great. A lot of, yeah. I yeah. think a lot of that goes to the leadership. They saw yes. it. They saw a hungry, you know, young person and they gave mm -hmm. me those shots. Right. So I didn't, I'd made a decision that year four, which then kind of led to my current career, which is product. 
And I think it was around like year six in the GMI days that we had gone through and we were super lucky that we did this. We were running low on capital. We needed to be extremely capital efficient before going for our next raise. And so we were running really well going into 2008, into the crash. And because of that, we looked super attractive and we were acquired by WPP Cantar. We were attractive. We didn't just look attractive. We were attractive. Right. And as we came on, I was considering making a, a move. And the reason I was considering making a move is that I had found that there was this pattern that I was observing, which is I was working with clients on solving pain points. And what we were working on delivering to them was not a sample plan, right? Okay. It was, it, you know, and for those who don't know a sample plan, basically we need a hundred SEMAs to talk to it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It was, Hey, I want to make decisions that are informed based on not only what someone says, but also what they've done. And I want to have all that data in one place. And, you know, having that in a dashboard would be super nice. And can you do something for me like that? And so we built what I soon learned was a product. I worked with the data science team. I worked with our chief scientist. I worked with our marketing team. And it was cool to do that in its own. But what was really amazing was what I realized happened after that. It and what was that? that Yeah, (laughs) it wasn't just that that client wanted it. It was that other clients like them wanted it. And they said, Hey, I heard what so-and-so is using over at so-and-so shop. Could we get access to that? And I started to see that, like, if you build something once and you build it for multiple people with multiple perspectives and you build it to be repeatable and scalable, you can monetize the hell out of it because the gross margin on that second sale and third sale and fourth sale is so much better. And so I started to put my feelers out and realize this is a discipline. This isn't just something Tiana's doing. Like this is product. Right. And again, I was lucky because I put my hand up to, at the time, you know, our CCO, and the new CMO of Cantar and said, like, I'm really interested in this discipline, mm-hmm. is there, you know, in this new world, is there something I could do? Otherwise, I think I might want to leave and go do this. And they gave me a chance to move into that space. I started in product marketing because I had a comms degree. But since then, it's been like, you know, one product role to the next product role to the next product role. So a mouthful, but that's how I got here. That's, and that's so that's- cool. That's great. And I love the fact that you continue to look for additional opportunities, try different things, and you finally found your sweet spot, which is not many people can say they do, which is a testament to your persistence. So let's talk about product because I think it sometimes is a misunderstood function, especially when it feels like you're in a services industry. Totally. Yeah. And that's so many people listening right now. Like yes. so many people are in a service business and they are thinking, can I, should I experiment with a product line to drive a different type of revenue? Correct. Growth. Yeah. I mean, product for me is understanding customer pain, knowing that we as a business can solve it in a way that would put us in number one or number two in that space. I don't want to get involved if I'm going to be fourth in line, fifth in line, right? If we have a realistic shot of being able to solve that customer pain in a way that works for our business, Mm -hmm. right? That is like, okay, that's indicative that we might have an opportunity for product there. And and lots of service companies actually do. I mean, I do consulting work and that's a lot of the work that we hear is people say, I've got a service business. Could we turn on a product led growth channel? Could we put a SaaS product together? Right. Yeah, it's definitely possible. It's the reorientation of mindset. And what do you think the hardest shift is there as you think about service versus product? 
you got to know that you are building for a longer term return. Okay. So I think many people think that like a service model where you can put Tiama on mm-hmm. the service desk and she can actually go out and she can start working with a customer and she can start getting revenue from that customer right away. It doesn't work with product. You have to build the product. You have to invest in that product and getting the product right isn't like you just launch it and it's there. That's why (laughs) 95% of new products fail, right? Right. So you have to be willing to invest now for the return in a year, right? Or in 18 months. And I think that's one of the things that a company that has gotten their revenue from service has sometimes a difficult time understanding and wanting to do. And so it's the type of thing that I really speak with a lot of you know clients about and would certainly speak with any prospective employer about, which is, do you understand the reality of launching this new product and the fact that your payback is not going to be in year one. Well said. And the question that I have for you is, you know, how do you reduce your uncertainty around the success of that product? Because I think that's the thing. It's like people, yeah, I want a product. You're telling me return on investment is, or at least when I start feeling good, because revenue is coming in is 12 to 18 months at best, because you might have to pivot, recalibrate, whatever. How do you reduce the uncertainty around that success? Great question. And this is where my old world and my new world converge. And it okay. Makes me so happy. You know, insights. Research. Yeah. Doing your research, right? Understanding. I mean, it's market research. It's customer research. It's internal research. Are you, do you have the DNA that you need to be able to do this? Do you have the realistic expectations? And there's really good signals that are there, right? There's Mm. signals that, you know, there's white papers out there that talk about trends that support this, right? right? You know, there's behavioral shifts that are happening either in a business context, a consumer concept, And they're telling you that there's a change that's occurring out Mm. there, or there's a friction point that occurs out there. And so then you do your market research and you understand who's taking advantage of that. Who's thinking about solving that pain. And then if that checks out, then it's about looking at, okay, could we actually, let's go back to my point of like, I have a problem that we can solve. Is it something that we can be number one or number two? in? Can we do it in a way that works for the business? right? Right. And it's like, Checking those things out quickly, rapidly, because you don't, this doesn't have to be a consultancy gig. You can move quickly on it. Like it's just, you got to have that research because if you don't, and this is what many product leaders will tell you, man, I wish I would have spoken to the customer about willingness to pay, man, I wish I would have talked to, you know, one of the biggest books that I tell, you know, a lot of teams to work on is uh, monetizing innovation, which comes Mm -hmm. out of, you know, chapter Martin Bailey and their willingness to pay work. Right. Right. like do that early is my advice. Yeah. Right. Before you build it. And then you realize the price point is like half of what you thought your forecast was. Yeah. Or that actually you were building a product to be bought in a way that doesn't make sense for that customer. Yeah. Or that yeah. The features that you started with were the wrong set of features right. and right. never going to want that. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing is when we talk about, it's so funny because we're in research, you know, and we talk about market segmentation, we talk about personas, we help clients, but when companies within the space try to actually launch their own products, we forget the customer. We forget actually who are we trying to sell to it. And it might not just be a Pepsi organization. There is specific people within that organization that will buy your product. And have you found that people understand, embrace, do their research at that level to truly understand, you know, what are the features and benefits that I need to market to this specific you know, persona, if you will. I think this is where, you know, we as an industry, I mean, I'm constantly thinking about how to bring 
things back and invest in this industry because it right. is near and dear to my heart, right? Yes. Um, this is where we as an industry, we need to do a better job, I would say, looking to adjacent areas yes. and seeing things that we can learn. Because I think there's some product leaders within our industry, most of them actually that I know, mm-hmm. that they know to do this. They understand that you have to, there's best practices, build for one persona at a time, right? right. You can't build for yes. everybody. understand that persona they do, but I think sometimes, you know, and I can't speak for everybody, but I think Mm. that sometimes, you know, because this industry is heavily, you know, services based, Mm -hmm. although there's obviously been a amazing blooming of, you know, res tech, tech. Yes. You know, and that's forcing us to be (laughs) putting us on our back foot and saying, okay, wait a second, we do need to think differently. But I think that's, you know, to me, it's probably one of the harder things for a product person working in our space or in any space who is selling into a heavily services led industry is that you need to think about using best practices. Don't try and invent the wheel and don't try to expect that you're going to jam a, you know, square peg into a round hole, like learn from people who have done this well. And they will tell you like, whether you're looking at other verticals or whether you're just looking at the discipline and saying, where do people build products? Well, how do they do that? What can we apply here? I think that's where we can get better because I think people do do that. And having Mm -hmm. worked at a lot of the companies in our space, I know how hard those companies make that effort to do. Right. But I also think that we will move faster as an industry if we are thinking about that at the highest levels. Yeah. Like you can't build for everyone at once. You need to pick where yep. you're going to go, master that, then invest in the next horizon. Yeah. And there's the build phase, there's getting the product right, but then there's the go-to-market piece too that is also a significant investment of time and dollars to get to market in a way to get to that first or second right place in the space. What do you see companies doing from that perspective? Well, you know, this is one of the things that I, I used to tell teams. So do you think that when Tesla launches the Model 3, is the product done? No. What happens after that car gets launched? You got to tell people about it. That's you where the market. magic starts. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that I always drive with my teams is product has, you know, everybody has their own, you know, it's like tomato, tomato. Everyone has right. their own views on the but like for me, product has three fundamental parts. There's okay. discovery, discovery yep. that's heavily research in UX and focus. You know, my research and design teams are my best friends. Like mm-hmm. they help keep us on the straight and narrow. There's the delivery. That's yes. where the product marketing starts to get super involved. Not to say that product marketing isn't involved in the discovery. Right, stage. right. They're helping, but that's where like this, you know, go to market and launch mm-hmm. is coming in delivery. And then there's the optimization, yes. right? Okay, well, that either worked or it didn't. That yeah. fell flat or we could do better. And that is a, a life cycle, yep. right? Yep. Constantly going for a healthy product. So yeah. that's my thinking there. I don't know if that answers your question. Of course it does. I have a question. You know, you always hear about people saying, well, I don't want to sell vaporware, right? I don't want to sell something before I know. A hun- I remember dealing with salespeople in past jobs saying, I can't take this to my client. I can't even talk about it until I check it off and make sure it works. What do you say to that? I'm literally dealing with this right now. I work at a startup and we, it's a tension in every company, yes. right? Um, yes. And you can't sell vaporware. It's super, super risky because yes. what, you only have one chance to make a first impression. You can never overpromise, under deliver. Those are right. like rules that matter, whether you're in a product role or yes. an 
whatever. But I do think that there's a really great way to bring your customers into the co-creation. And it takes, you know, a skilled navigator who can do it. But basically think about it around the same, it's in the discovery stage. It's where you are having those same conversations that the team talk about in monetizing innovation, right? It's, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, what are your pains? How are you solving those pains today? What would you value about a solution that did something like this? Mm -hmm. If we had something like this, you know, would it be something that you would be interested in? Right. Oh, you, it would. Okay. Well, you know, what would you say is a fair price to pay for that? Right. Yep. At that time is a great time to talk to your customers or mm-hmm. prospects about what's coming. Now, what that shouldn't be is a sales rep being told, Hey, take this out and road test it. That's right. right. Yes. Don't expect a, a fish yeah. to climb a tree type of thing yes. here. Right? Yeah. So you need to work with the right person and the right set of targets in a strategic way to guide those conversations. Ideally, you can use customers or prospects. But I mean, I just gave a plug to my team today. Like we work with financial institutions, with mm-hmm. retail banks. Those are tough, right? Yes. Especially for a startup. We only have so many of them. Right. I don't want pestering them all the time, asking them about everything. So maybe we need to be looking at doing a, you know, a qualitative community with rival three right. or with community yeah. or something where we have some of those retail bank decision makers and we can test new ideas with, yep. right? I think it comes down to how you do it, not if you do it. You definitely should be taking it. Yes. You just should be presenting it as vaporware. You should be presenting right. it as an opportunity to give input on what that customer's pain is and what yeah. their values are. It's a fine balance of asking the question and listening to the feedback. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Tim, I would love to give you an opportunity to talk about your current company and what it focuses on. Obviously, we know you're chief product officer, but what does Mina Technologies do? Oh, I'm very excited about it. It's really cool. So <laughs> where, okay, Seema, what's your retail bank or what's one of your Chase. retail banks? Chase. Chase. Yes. So in Chase, what we would allow you to do is when you're scrolling through your transactions and you yeah. see that you spent this amount of money at shop, uh, shop uh, Spotify and this right. amount of money at Nordstrom and this amount of money at, you know, fun fit fab. And you're like, why am I still spending money on fun fit fab? I thought I canceled like last year. Okay. This is where our product comes in. We allow you to click manage on that. And then something comes up and says, what do you want to do, Seema? Do you want to cancel this? Do you Uh want to pause this subscription? Do you want to read? Actually, you already paused this three months ago. Do you want to resubscribe this? You know, and we call that subscription management. We are driven by the two biggest jobs to be done in this space, which is the biggest pain on subscriptions is consumers awareness that they have it and their ability to cancel it. And so our product serves those needs. Our go-to-market is we give it to retail banks as opposed to like there's challenger banks are really popular in the UK. Mm -hmm. They're becoming more popular in the US, uh, Chime, Ally, right? Chase is one of the really cool banks actually who, even though JP Morgan Chase is a incumbent, mm-hmm. they are building the Chase Bank app in the UK digital first wow. yeah. to be more challenger bank-esque. Yeah. Our go to market, you know, is we actually sell this software to banks and we also, the same software software that allows them to put that in a bank is infrastructure that connects to the Netflix, the FabFitFund. So we get value on both sides of that infrastructure. That's an amazing product. Even like the Wi-Fi on the plane, you don't sign up for the subscription and you see it three months. I'm like, I canceled this. Why is this still on my bank Uh, statement? Drives me nuts. 
this is why I went there. And this is what I always tell product people go somewhere where you understand the product and the yes. value it delivers. If you can understand it and explain it to your grandma or to your right. four-year-old son, yeah. that's a good time. Good. Yeah. That's a great litmus test actually. <laughs> So Tiama, let's talk about Wire Accelerate. I know you are the product owner, right? For that within the Wire community. Great labeling. I hadn't thought about it as that, but yes, okay. I, apparently I am with a super <laughs> product team behind me, I yes. would say. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I know that I don't remember how many subscriptions have been kind of sold thus far, but it's way more than we ever anticipated. I know yeah. Kristen challenged everybody and like, come on, we could triple these numbers. Where are we with these? So give us a flavor of how it's going and what people are saying about the program. Oh my gosh. So this was, I guess I'll tell you, and this is very my way of thinking. I'm gonna tell you the vision okay. behind it. Right. You know, why? So there was a group of women executives sitting at the wire exec offsite. This is a plug for yep. go to those. They're amazing. But we were sitting there and the same thing statement kept coming up. Gosh, I wish I would have known that earlier. Right. Oh, I, w- I wish I would have known that. I wish someone had told me that. I wish I would have known that. Right. I mean, I'm not joking. Like it was like seven, eight times until mm-hmm. I think it was Babita. I can't remember who it was, but yeah. I think it was somebody who said, okay, are we like, is anyone else noticing the trend here? Like, (laughs) could we do something about this? So it was kind of a call to action. It was great timing that lead, (laughs) great timing. Um, The pandemic enabled there to be more time to work on something like a side gig like that. And so I started running with the co-creator group, which was Indy at Synth, uh, Shazia at NeuroInsight, Babita at Zappy, uh, Emma at System One, Elaine. Like, I can't even, there's so many of them, and it's all on the Accelerate yeah. page. But basically, yeah. we started saying, what are these things that we wish we would have known? Okay let's create curriculum. And so I kind of went into a leadership role of kind of collecting the collecting everybody. Yep. Yeah. And putting a project plan together. And basically what we did is we built a program designed by women specifically to provide content that was structured for women, but we wanted, there was a few principles we had. It needed to be something that was inclusive and it actually would work for any right. gender orientation. We wanted something that was going to work for C-suite Mm-hmm. all the way down to entry level. Yep. We wanted something that was going to work for a man, a people manager or an individual contributor. And we wanted it to be on demand, mm-hmm. go at your own pace, personal, and for people to take it and be able to use it with their mentor. If they had a mentor, uh, it could be, this was, you know, again, product cross-selling, upselling, thinking about the wire yes. worship programs. And so we launched the Accelerate program dedicated to helping women accelerate in their careers, women and men. And it's been a phenomenal success. I mean, like literally 250X what we expected. That's amazing. And listen, I've heard from people directly, people that I've recommended to to subscribe to it and do the program. Great reviews. They absolutely have valued it. And, you know, talking to them, they refer to it in many instances. So it's great. You know, people go into product because they want to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Many of the things that drive you going into insights. Right. And I think for all of us who've worked on this, like the best feeling is, I mean, like surprises, like so many connections that happen in the Podia platform afterwards, like Podia is where we use it to deliver. And, you know, so many connections, meaningful connections have been made after a module or, you know, instructors get contacted on LinkedIn from people Mm -hmm. who've taken it and have either shared success stories or asked for coaching on how they're applying Mm -hmm. the content. Um, It's a pretty good feel good. I always say like, honestly, I've worked on a lot of products. This is my favorite product I've ever launched because it's amazing. Yeah. 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 There's huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. 
Tiama, thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait to actually sit and have a glass of wine with you in person. Oh, please come Soon. to London and let's do it. Or <laughs> okay. I'll come to you either yes. way. That sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.